all through Hebrews. Up, we're starting in verse 28 today. Um, but we, we started, Hebrews 1 talks about faith, the importance of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. That word substance is it, it, the same word that's used in Hebrews 1.3, talking about the very person of Jesus. So the whole basis of this series is reminding us our faith is not for something. Our faith is in someone, right? So a lot of people say, man, I have faith for this. I have faith for healing. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Your faith is in the healer who brings healing. So sometimes we skip God and try to go to some result we think we want and that we need. But our faith is in a result. Our faith isn't in the one who brings the result. And that's where our understanding of faith is being uh, deepened a little bit to understand faith is in God and God is the healer, the provider, the, the peacemaker. He's all of that. So our faith is in him. And then it talks about in Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here's the part that it's a great scripture and we love this scripture. But at the same time, it's a tough scripture. You know why? Because how many of you want to please God? Right. So here's the thing. It's going to require faith because you can't please him without it. And faith is believing something and walking in something even when you don't see it. Which you already do to a degree when you receive Jesus, you received him by faith. Because you don't see the Holy Spirit. You don't see God in the flesh. But you know he exists. And you receive him by faith. So there's times, and I've talked to people who, who they need to make decisions for their life. And they, they have a... An idea, this is what God spoke to me and this is what I'm supposed to do. But they, they're nervous to take that step because they want to see how it's all going to work out. So what ends up happening is we end up wanting not to step in faith. We'd rather see it all before we step. And that's, that's tough to sometimes walk through because if we don't see it, then our confidence isn't as strong. But if our faith isn't in what we're trying to do and our faith is in God, then we know if God says it, I can step out because he will trust me. Peter was in the boat when the storm came, and he said to Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there because Jesus was walking on the water. And he said, come on. And Peter, who gets a lot of praise but also gets a lot of criticism because he's also the one who sometimes talks before he should, says things and does things. You know, he's the one who Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, wasn't calling him Satan, but saying that comes from him because he was trying to go against what God's plan was. He's also the one when Jesus showed up and, 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 and Moses and them came down, they were beside him. And, 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 and here's what Moses, uh, Peter says, let's build an altar, let's build an let's uh, altar, let's, let's do this. And, and the voice from heaven says, uh, Peter, this is my son, just listen to him. In other words, shh. So there's times where Peter was told, like, hey, back off, bro. You got a great heart, but, but you're missing it. Peter's one who denied Jesus. I mean, he went through some of that stuff. But Peter also is the one, when Jesus said, come, he stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. He could not have, if he would have rationally thought and going in the natural, if he would have, he didn't see, he didn't see bricks and, and flotation devices coming up. He, he had to go just on faith, and faith was Jesus said, and my faith is in him, so if he says it, I can do it. He got out of the boat, and he walked on water. 
So there's a lot of things that we can learn about this life of faith, and it's not always easy. And we talk through a lot of different people. We're not going to go through all those. You can get online and look at the different people we've talked about. But we talked recently about Moses and first Moses' parents and how they hid him. But it says by faith they hid Moses when Pharaoh was killing all the, trying to kill all the firstborn uh, males. It, it, by faith they hid him. And they talked about how they weren't afraid of the king. And we talked about sometimes with fear that fear isn't always something that we never experience. Sometimes when you have fear in your life, you continue to step out even with fear, but your focus is on God, and the more you trust God, the more that fear begins to go away, because perfect love casts out fear. So we talked about that. We talked about last week with Moses uh, and his identity not being all in Egypt, even though he was uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son. She had adopted him because she found him when, uh, when Moses' mom and dad put him in the the river to try to save him, put him in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter is the one that found him and ended up adopting him. So he was in the royal family of Egypt, basically. And uh, he had a lot going for him, but he always knew this is not, this is not me. I am, these are my people. And it said last week he kept going to his people. And it cost him a lot, but his, his, he understood. And what we did is we compare the fact that we understood we live in this world today, but this is not who we are. We are not citizens of this world. The Bible says we are citizens of heaven. And uh, so we see ourselves different. Now today we're going to jump in this thing with Moses. We're going to read verse 28. Here's what it says in verse 28. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Now I have a lot of scriptures. We're going to move through this, but you can read in Exodus uh, starting all the way even in verse 5, chapter 5, about uh, Pharaoh was, was, was the leader of Egypt. He's king of Egypt. So he has he's this very, uh, the Israelites, the people of God, are, are slaves. And Moses and Aaron were told by the Lord to go to Pharaoh. So they go to Pharaoh basically saying, listen, this is what the Lord is saying, let my people go. You've ever heard of that phrase from, you know, let my people go. In other words, let the people of Israel go. Pharaoh had a very hardened heart, and he was not. And he was very, had a hardened heart towards the Lord. He was not open to things. So, the Lord, so these plagues come on. Anybody heard about the ten plagues? You ever remember that story of the ten plagues? You can read them in, in Exodus. And it's not cool stuff. I mean, if you look at it, it's, those plagues were horrible. There was plagues like flies and gnats and uh, disease and diseased cows and um, darkness and I mean there was all these just crazy plagues that came on Egypt well this at the when you go to uh, Exodus chapter 12 and we'll actually go there go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus 12 if you got it there was a plague of blood there was a plague of frogs Could you imagine just frogs everywhere that'd be horrendous a plague of festering boils, it's gross. Plague of hail, not good. All right, then when you start looking at um, chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading, I have in your notes verses uh, 12 and 13, but I'm going to read in the beginning. Here's what it says, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, because the 10th plague was the plague that was going to kill the firstborn males. And this was a plague. So, so Pharaoh had all these chances, and, and he would, when, during some of these plagues, he would 
he would be all like, okay, 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 okay. But then he would harden his heart again towards the Lord. And it just so the plagues kept coming. And this 10th one was the one that says, you know, this angel of death is going to come over and, and kill the firstborn of every family uh, in Egypt. So here's what it says. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a goat for a young sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat with no defects. So the sacrifice you're going to make has to be this sheep or goat that has no defects. It's the best of the best, basically. All right? Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. The same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along the bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. Now, we're not going to get into all the details about all the organs of animals and all that stuff. But here's, here's the thing. If chapter 11 talks about this tenth plague and, and the death of the firstborn uh, of the people of Egypt. In verse 12, he says this. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. This is in the land of Egypt. Now listen, the people of Israel are in the land of Egypt. So, so far, this plague is coming for every, per, every family in the land of Egypt. And then verse 13 says, or it keeps going, it says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Verse 13, but how many know when there's this big judgment coming and God is talking, then he says, but. You're like, oh, okay, okay, hurry, tell me the but part because it's looking pretty rough so far. That this plague is coming. But, but the blood on the doorsteps will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here's, this is the part of the Passover that they're talking about. The blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the lamb that was put on their, on their doorpost. Was that the, when this... When this plague came through, that God says, listen, it will not touch you because of the blood. Because of the blood on the sacrifice. Of the sacrifice, you're covered. All right. This is where Moses picks up. So Moses honors this Passover. He understands this Passover. And this was celebrated a lot after that. There was a lot of, of celebration through this Passover. And it's talked about even in the New Testament. But I want to do now is just because a lot of scriptures... And if we don't hit all these, I want you to read these scriptures. But I'm going to tell you, this, this relates to us today in a whole new way. This, this relates to us in a way that we can understand there is, there is a way for us to recognize the freedom that we have 
because of the blood of the Lamb, meaning Jesus. And we're going to talk about that. So in your notes, this is how I have it broken down. We saw in there that judgment was coming for everyone. The judgment was coming. This, this plague was hitting the land of Egypt. People of Israel were in the land of Egypt. Listen, it was, it's coming. It's coming. And, and when, when, we, when, we, when we read that, I was like, okay. They were outside of the blood. It was going to their homes too. And I want to tell you something, if you got to follow me so you stay encouraged, because this might sound really bad. But guess what? There is judgment. There is judgment for this world. I'm just telling you, there's judgment for this world. For everybody in this world, there's judgment. Because you know why? Look at these scriptures. Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned. If you're here and you're breathing, you've sinned. At some point in your life, you sinned. If you don't think so, well, that's it right there. Okay? For everyone has sinned, and we've all fallen short of God's glory. Look at Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is what? Death. Sin has a price. This, people think that they just live this life here. They do anything they want. They can do whatever they want. They can act how they want. They can say what they want. They can live the way they want. I'm telling you, there is a price for sin, and it's death. It's death. And, and, and it's, it's it, we're all sin, we've all sinned, right? So let's keep, let's, let's keep looking at these, and then we're going to get to the good news. So, so don't, don't judge me yet for my message, all right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. Listen to this. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. The devil is behind all of this stuff. He's behind it all. He's the commander of all this stuff. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very own nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So this judgment that comes on, 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 on people who are just living in sin. Okay, we've all been there. You were born, you were born with a sinful nature. You were born, listen, I don't, how many of you, uh, well, if you have children or work with children, especially young children, you don't have to teach them to be selfish. You don't have to teach them to be mean. You don't have to teach them to think just of themselves. That's normal. That's normal growing up for kids. What you have to teach them teach them is to share. You have to teach them to think of others. You have to teach them that life is not just about them. You have to teach them the good things in life. Because what we, the world we live in, when kids are born, they, they're born with this sinful nature. They're born with it. We all are. That, that, that you know, I mean, even at little, one, one and two years old, mine, 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 no, Throwing fits, flopping around. Ah, you are, I hate you. I'm like, you don't, you don't teach kids that. I saw a kid in the grocery store, they throw on a fit. I'm like, and his mom's like, stop it, stop it, stop it. No one taught him to do that. I'm sure mom and dad were at home saying, listen, whenever we tell you no, I want you to scream as loud as you can, <laughs> flop yourself around, and keep yelling at me, okay? 
No one taught them that. That just comes out. We were all born that way. All right, so there's this sinful nature that's at, at work in the world we live in. And let's, let's keep looking at these scriptures. Look at Romans 8, 7 and 8. The sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It's always against God. It never did obey God, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So this is the world we live in. This is where we were. Thank God we're not, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. But you were. All of us were. And the judgment that comes to the world we live in, we're in it. But here's the good thing. Because one day, everybody's going to face God. And you're going to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. Or depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. So we, there's, there's all this stuff, and people get all nervous and talk about the judgment. Let me tell you about the judgment of God, though. Because... Death is the price. The only way for us to, the only way the price of death could be paid for is through death. So that price had to be paid. So judgment, that's the judgment. This, this death that comes, it's, it's, it's the price of sin. And because we've all struggled, our sin leads to death. But here's the good news. Please hear me so you don't just take the first part of that message and think, wow, he's all talking about the judgment of God. Let me tell you something about this judgment. The Lamb of God paid it for us. Our judgment now has been taken care of. I, if you don't get this, if you don't get all excited about how much God loves you, then you, you're not hearing me. The price for your sin is death. You would, ha you would have to pay that. But God in his love, he sent the Lamb of God, Jesus, as the ultimate sacrifice. And now through the blood of Jesus, it passes over us. It, it passes over us because the ultimate, the ultimate sheep, the ultimate lamb, Paid the price. That's, that's what we're talking about today. Look at John 1, 29. This is John the Baptist. He was there to prepare the way of the Lord. Here's what he says. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God. This is Jesus. He saw Jesus and he said, look, the Lamb of God. And then he said this about the Lamb. Who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to take your sin and the penalty of your sin away. That's, that's Jesus. That's, I'm telling you, you're going to get it by the end of this. That's Jesus that paid yours. His blood is on the doorpost of your life because what you had, the judgment you had coming to you, Jesus said, look, just put this up there. And when God sees that, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus and that judgment passes right over you. I'm telling you, I'm going to be worked up by the end of this. And I hope you are. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. You're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? 
Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough which made without yeast, which is without that sin stuff, which is what you really are. <clears throat> Christ, say this part with me, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. This whole Passover was all about recognizing that God in God's love and in his kindness, in his love and kindness, he didn't judge, he didn't bring that judgment on his people because of the blood, because of the blood of the lamb that was without, without defect. That's who Jesus is. The lamb who was spotless, had no, he didn't do anything wrong. He lived a perfect life. And he came to cover you, to cover you. Let's keep going. Look at Revelations 5, 1 through 14. All right, y'all, this is, this is good. I'm telling you, listen to this. This is when John's seeing this vision right up in heaven. He says, then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the Lion of the tribe of Judah... The heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Now, who is this? Who are we talking about? Jesus. And look what it says about him. John says this, then, then I saw a lamb. If y'all don't get this, I'm telling you something's wrong with you. Then I saw a lamb that looked at it had been slaughtered. And it was now standing between the throne. And the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which represents the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed God's people from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. And you've caused them to become a king, kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne, to the lamb forever and ever. And all the four living beings said, Amen. The 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. Let me tell you something. We're talking about a lamb that, listen to the word they use, slaughtered. Slaughtered. It was bloody. What Jesus went through for you, 
to cover you. He didn't need covering. Jesus was already spotless. He wouldn't have faced that judgment. He, he, he didn't do anything. He never sinned. He didn't have to pay the price of sin. But because God's love for you and his love for you, he came down and was slaughtered as a lamb. So he could be that lamb without spot or wrinkle, that lamb without defect. So when Jesus, when the, when the judgment comes and when the price of sin and all that comes, he, it comes right to you and it says, oh, he's covered. Oh, she's covered. Oh, he's covered. Oh, she's covered. And I'm telling you, if we, we don't understand, we get, I say we, I know sometimes I get a little bit opinionated, but we got to be careful that we don't get so caught up in our theology and our words and all the things we know about the Bible. Listen, if you miss this, you miss everything. If you miss the basic thing that God loves you so much, that he covered you with the blood of his son, if you miss that, you miss everything. There's so much on this earth that is not worth spending time arguing about or thinking about or worrying about. The judgment at the end that everybody's going to face. If you've accepted Jesus, you have the blood of Jesus, that it doesn't touch you. It goes right over you. But you know what you're going to see these people in Egypt? You know what the children of Israel probably heard and saw? Screaming and yelling of people whose kids died. Death was rampant all through that, that, that place. And the hurting of everybody around who didn't have the blood. But, but they were covered. And they saw what it could have done, what their life could have been like. And I'm sure they were moved with compassion for those people. But they saw that, oh, thank God for the blood or that would be me. Without God, without Jesus, listen, you're done. You're toast. You're finished. But the blood of Jesus, it sets you free. It covered you. It covered you. That's amazing to me. So this, this thing, I was studying this, and I was like, golly, I, I feel so loved. I really feel loved like I never have before. I didn't have to earn this. He just said, look, if, you just, if you'll just receive the sacrifice that I've done, I'll cover you. And I'm like, cool. That's amazing. Right? That's amazing. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we, may, we could be made right with God through Christ. Because of that, we're now right with God. There's nothing coming on us. There's no anger and, and wrath and judgment coming to us because we are right with God. We are righteous because of Jesus. We have right standing with God. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Remember, the devil was the one who was the commander over all of this. And he broke the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set us free. 
all who have lived their lives as slaves of the fear of dying. This fear of what it's going to be like, this fear of dying, this fear of the eternity, all of this fear that creeps up in our life, this is what Jesus did. He came and he was sacrificed. He became flesh. He became flesh and blood. And he died and he spilt his blood so you could live free of fear, free of the fear of dying, free of the fear of eternity. That's because of the Lamb of God. Let's keep going. Romans 5, 9. And since we have been made right with God in God's sight, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. We're saved from it because of the blood of, because of, the blood of Christ. Let's go to verse 12. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Yes, people, even, people sinned even before the law was given, but it wasn't counted as sin because there were not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam and the time of Moses, even though they did not obey an explicit command of God as, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You live in triumph over sin and death. No longer does it have a hold of you. No longer does it need to rule your life. You live triumphantly, triumphantly in that. You know why? Because of Jesus. Because he spilt his blood. So you could be free. That's the Lamb of God that we're talking about. 1 John 2, 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Listen, this gift is, the Bible says, we'll read it in a minute. God loved the world, he gave his, God loved the world, he gave his son. The world. It's not just for us. We get to receive that, but that's available to everybody else. It's available to everybody else. That same covering of the blood of Jesus is available to everybody else. We just need to let them know. We need to let them know, listen, God loves you and he can save you. He can save you from the penalty of sin. He can save you from that. Look at this next verse in John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life. Your body will stop, but you won't die. You have eternity life with God. That's because of Jesus. It's not because you're so good. It's because of Jesus and his love for you. Look at the next verse. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I loved you. This is John 15. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's just talking about all. He says, loved one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? He gave himself. 
And he's saying there, listen, there's no greater love than that. The fact that Jesus calls us friends, the fact that Jesus laid down his life for his friends, for us, there's no greater love. You can't, listen, if you, if you will hear what I'm saying, you will not be able to walk out of here without understanding how loved you are. You won't be able to do it. You'll walk out of here thinking, my goodness, I had no idea how much God loved me. I had no idea. But he loves you that much. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward of the good things you've done, so you can't boast about it. Jesus, Jesus paid the price for you. You didn't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to earn it. It's a gift. Salvation, your salvation is a gift from God. 1 Peter 1 and 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Can I just tell you, there's a lot of cleansing going on in our church. There's a lot of people that are realizing some stuff that's been in them for a long time. And it's, and it's coming out. God's bringing healing of things that we just, we just get raised in and we think this is the way we handle stuff. This is the way we live. This is how you do it. And, and the Lord is showing us, listen, just because you learn something that way doesn't mean it's the right way. And God wants to, he's helping to set us free of that empty life that was, we inherited. The life of sin, the life of struggle, all that stuff that we've inherited. He's setting us free of that. And then he says this, it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Remember in Exodus 12 when it said a lamb without, without defects. Now we're saying this lamb of God was without sin, without spot, without, without any problems. It's the perfect lamb of God. And God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to one another as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all of your heart. For you have been born again. But not into a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it will come from the eternal living word of God. Listen, you've been born again. It's a new life. Remember when we first read Exodus 12? Remember what it said at the beginning? This is going to be a new year. This is going to be the mark of something new. Remember when he said that as far as the calendar month and year? This is going to be a new. This is now going to be the first month of the year. In other words, it's going to be new. You know what God is saying to us? Because of Jesus... Because of the Passover of, of the blood of Jesus, the spotless lamb, now there's something new for you, this new life. You've been born again. 2 Corinthians talks about that when you're born again, the old is gone and all things become new. And this new life for you happens because of Jesus. And, and that's something that we need to celebrate. Look at Ephesians 1.7. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins. He forgave them. I think it's Hebrews 9, 22, somewhere it says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. In other words, there has to be that sacrifice. 
And I want everybody in this room, I want you to look at me. I want you to hear me say this. Your sin has been paid for by the Lamb of God. The blood that flowed from Brahma, the blood that flowed from Jesus, from the stripes on his back, from the crown on his head, from the nails in his hands and feet, that blood, as it flowed down, as it flowed down the body of the Son of God, who was perfect and in his own never deserved that. And it says in Philippians, he came and he humbled himself as a servant. And he went to the cross and experienced death on the cross. And it says that cursed is the one who dies on a cross. Jesus became a curse. He became sin. He took that. And every ounce of blood that just flowed. I'm not trying to be gory, but I want you to know the severity of God's love for you. Blood is pouring out of his body. And he's in pain and agony. But it's that blood that he came to pour out. So me and you can have life abundantly and eternally. And we don't have to face the judgment that was supposed to be faced. Because why? Because it has been paid. But it had to be paid. Or we would have to pay it. Somebody's got to pay it. Listen, when you go to lunch today, if you go out to eat, they bring you your bill. You can't leave until somebody pays it. And if you don't have it, somebody else has to pay it. But until it's paid, you can't just say, I don't have it. They say, well, you need to find it. Listen, we were there. We, 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 we have all this stuff, and it, it, there's a cost to it, and it's death. And Jesus came by our table, and he grabbed that bill, and he says, I got this one. And if we get a picture of the fact he said, I got this, he's like, listen, I got this. Bam, a nail goes in. I got this. Bam, another nail Hey, I got it. I'm paying this for you. Bam! Another nail on his feet. Another, another, another whip on his back. Another one and another one. His flesh is being ripped open. He's like, I got this. It's, I got this. You'll be able to walk out of here with that being paid. It'll cost me my life. But you know what? I'd rather give mine than you have to give yours. I'd rather pay it for you because I stinking love you. He probably wouldn't say stinking, but he, he loves you. I'm telling you, God really, really loves you. And we live this life, and we don't get it. We don't get it. We get so caught. You know how stupid some of our arguments are? You know how dumb some of the stuff we focus on is? We live so much in this, ah, and the bottom line is if we could just get a glimpse of the fact that the judgment of God, the, the, the wrath, the death, that passes over us because one man came and he got the mess beat out of him because he had to die because that's what it cost. That's what your bill was. Your bill was death and so was mine and so was everybody else's. 
And Jesus said, listen, I got this so you can be free. And you can come out of this. You can walk out of this place now because it's been covered. No longer are you bound. No longer are you bound by sin and by death. You are now free. That's it. The blood of Jesus covers it. Covers it. You're covered. You are covered. It's co- I'm telling you, the day's coming. And you can be at peace and say, I'm covered. When that day comes and the judgment time is here, we're covered. That's amazing. I'm going to ask the ushers real quick. We're going to take communion as we close. I know we just did this a few weeks ago, but last night, man, the Lord just put on my heart and said, you know what? No better time to, to really understand the power of the blood of Jesus than right now. And this is how we're going to close our service. If you've never given your life to Jesus, listen, right now, you need to just, right where you're at, just say, God, I, I give my life to you. I understand I mess up. I understand I miss it. But I trust in you. I'm, put, I'm giving my life to you right now. I know I, know I can't do it on my own. When you, when you call on the Lord, he's there. Ushers, come on up. You guys can go ahead and even start passing the elements out. While they're doing that, I want to play this song. And I want you to just sing along the words that be on the screen. It's an old hymn. A lot of you would know it. Um, but I just want us to, to sing. I want you to pay attention to the words this time. And really pay attention to, to what we're singing.
Matthew chapter 26, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. He broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, <clears throat> which, confor- which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. This is, the, this is the blood of Jesus is what it represents. It's just, don't worry, it's just grape juice, but it represents the blood of Jesus. This represents the body that was given as a covenant between you and God. And it's not the covenant of old, the law, where you had to earn. This is a covenant of the gift that the blood of Jesus now covers you for the rest of your life. And it'll change your life. And you'll begin to walk in more freedom than you ever have. And you'll be a blessing to more people than you ever have. Because you understand, wow, I'm loved. And that love will flow in you. And then it'll flow through 